Right? My passion intersected with my expertise and I was able to package it and offer it in a way that was lucrative to us but extremely valuable and doable for the client. Hi, I'm Justin Blanamo and this is Holistic Hustle. Holistic Hustle is doing things for the right reasons, working hard for the right reasons. The healthy balance of what work and progression and accomplishment and success should actually look like. Welcome back to another episode of Holistic Hustle. Well, the Holistic Hustle podcast with Justin Buonamo. Was looking them up the other day actually um, to see who we had to compete with. And we are the Holistic Hustle podcast. And there was one other woman, just fun fact, not related to this podcast at all, that was the Holistic Hustle. And only difference is we had the word podcast at the end. And she launched the same day as us. Pretty cool, right? Um, and so that was the only other person with a similar name. Um, at least on Spotify. So, fun fact, as I'm saying that out loud, I gotta get better at saying The Holistic Hustle Podcast with Justin Guanamo. But we've got a fun episode here today. And as mentioned in past episodes, this, uh, no pun intended, but this podcast is gonna be about my life holistically, right? And so, me as a a husband, a soon-to-be father, a friend, an ex-athlete, a coach, um, a very bad golfer, Um, whatever those things that I like to do in life, um, you know, those buckets of hobbies that I have, if you will, or titles or hats that I wear. But one of them being a business owner, right? And so though this podcast is not about JFF, inevitably, if we're doing this holistically about my life, JFF is a big part of my life. And so we thought it would be fun here today to do a origin story of JFF, right? Maybe even dating back a little bit before that, maybe some, um, you know, history of, of my life leading up to JFF, but were important points of my story that led to the creation of JFF. And so, um, for those of you that don't know, I am the owner and the CEO and current president, but next six or seven months here, handing off that title, but will remain the owner and the CEO of a company um, by the name of Journey to Financial Freedom. Uh, we help business owners take control of their finances and scale their business. We do financial coaching for business owners. And we pride ourselves on having the best systems and strategies in the world um, and getting incredible results when it comes to the numbers, but also taking that holistic, whole human approach where we care about the internal world too as well, healing that relationship and those wounds and traumas um, with money. and. You know, just creating a better outlook and mindset and energy around money is so super important. And so, you know, some people would call it the masculine and the feminine bucket. And we blend both of those buckets, perfectly balance and proportion them to get people best results when it comes to their finances, which then inevitably helps their business um, and the journey that we take with our clients. And so, so a little bit about the business um, background and what we do, um, if you will, but you know, for a timeline, we started in August 2020. Um, Tiffany Mast, who was a friend of mine that I worked with, I helped her behind the scenes with some financial stuff. And then she told her friend about me, and her friend happened to be Kelly Brock. <laughs> and so I had, you know, this, these financial systems that I ran in the background from the skills that I learned from my past jobs, which I'll probably get into here a little bit. But I basically had a budget spreadsheet, right? That seemed to be effective for me, 
had three of my friends who I put on this budget spreadsheet in Excel, started to get good results. I was like, oh, I might have something here. One of those people being Tiffany, who then told Kelly. Kelly hit me up and was like, hey, I wanna hear about your program. And literally word for word, I said out loud, after I listened to the voice message from her, um, what fucking program? <laughs> oh, I got a spreadsheet and three friends that follow it. But it's just this innate feeling like, man, this is an opportunity. Right? You have been thinking about how to start your own business, grow your income, though you have a great income at Hopkins, which is where I worked before, right? It was a fixed income, right? And I was trying to dabble in this entrepreneur space, become a business owner to reach that financial freedom. And whether I articulated it or conceptualized it like that at that point in time, maybe a topic for a different day, but that feeling that I had was aligned with that. Let's take this. So I put a pitch together in Microsoft Excel. I'm pitching out of Microsoft Excel. So I'll share my screen and show on her. Um, and the night before, ran it by a buddy or two. All right, this looks good enough. Get on the call with Kelly. And she said yes in the first 15 minutes. And I'm like, huh, I hope that all of these calls are this easy. Um, but that was the kind of the start to it. And that was in August, 2020. We're now, uh, we are, what would that be? 36, we're 39 months old. <laughs> right? So we've been in business for three years and three months. Um, so we're, or another way to say it, you'll hear me say it, is we're in year four of business. And so let's stop there and rewind a little bit, right? So you heard a little bit of the beginning pieces of a little bit of my background job-wise, a little bit of my background, you know, how like, some of this stuff started to be put on paper and some people that were going through it. And then, you know, my first clients, which a lot of you probably know that are listening to this, this message um, or know of Kelly. Let me back up a little bit further though. And so I have a mentor by the name of Jake Kaufman. You guys have probably heard me talk about him several times. Um, but we were on a call yesterday and he was telling me that, um, talking about how strengths are in your weaknesses. And once you vocalize your weaknesses, once they come out of secrecy, right, so you no longer hold shame about them and you open up doors of opportunities to now heal from them, grow from them, and grow on top of them, right? And so point being is he, he, he pointed this out to me. He's like, do you remember what you told me that you said to the people interviewing you at Hopkins when you were 23 years old, when you were about to graduate your master's degree and, you know, trying to get a healthcare administration and management job? Like, do you remember what you said to them about what your biggest weakness was in the interview. And I had to think about it for a second. I was like, finances. I remember they asked me in that meeting, like, what do you think you're gonna struggle with the most out of this position? I was like, probably the financial piece. I had done my undergrad degree in nursing and pre-med, so I was all science-based. And because of a couple of life events, I decided to shift a little bit and focus on working on the business side of the hospital, not the clinical side of the hospital, right? So I got my master's in healthcare administration and management. Um, but that was like, a, I did my master's in like a year and a half. So I had like three classes that were financial based classes, no experience whatsoever. and had studied sciences my whole life. And so in that interview, it came out and I was honest about it and truthful about it and said my weaknesses were finances, despite a big, heavy portion of the job being financially based, right? So though that had that risk of them pushing me off, I still was able to take my weakness out of secrecy to take it out of hiding and to voice it and put it out in the public to people that thankfully supported me around it. And so they still hired me for the job, but because I vocalized that weakness, they spent so much time, money, and energy on me to develop my financial skills. 
I had a financial mentor who I met with twice a week who was a genius financially in Microsoft Excel wise. Um, and I had another boss who I reported to who was a genius financially, Microsoft Excel wise, who the one woman trained me and then the woman that was a little bit higher up, the second one I mentioned, she gave me the opportunities. I can still remember her heels. She wore like the shorter high heels. Right? She was a physician, she was a doctor, Dr. Carrie Hertzke, lover, one of my um, best mentors I've ever had. She's now the vice president of Johns Hopkins Hospital, which is awesome um, to be able to have that mentorship from her back in the day. But she used to wear like those like half inch heels and she would come down the hallway where I couldn't see her when she was walking towards my office, but I knew it was her walk. And I'm like, this woman's coming to dump a financial analysis on my desk right now. <laughs> and every single time she did, and sometimes it'd be Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, right? Like, guess I'm not going out with my boys tonight, but her, I, her idea was like, baptism by fire, bro. Like, we hired you for this job. We expect you to perform. Here's a financial analysis. I need it done by tomorrow morning. Right, and so she got me trained by somebody else and then gave me the opportunities, right? All because I just vocalized my weaknesses. But while maybe I was a little upset some of those Friday evenings, looking back now, I'm very thankful I had those opportunities, right? And so my first job at Hopkins, 23 years old, fresh out of my master's degree. Um, I have zero experience working in business. I'm at the time, I'm a nursing assistant at Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center. Right, and so I was a nursing assistant throughout college because I thought I was gonna be a nurse, then go to medical school to become a doctor, right? And so I was like, let me just get that practice, right? That clinical practice, right? But then after I changed my decision, right? I still, I had no other employment opportunities, right? While I was in my grad school, getting, while I was in grad school getting my master's, I still stayed on as a nursing assistant. And I was like, at least I'm working on the clinical side of things. I can see how it's, get experience, so I'm a better manager on the back end, and I'm still in the hopping system, and I had a great boss, Kim Goldsboro, who I reported to at the time, and so I wanted to stay close to her. Um, and so, point being is when I'm done with my master's, and I'm shooting out these applications to senior level management and administration jobs. I'm 23 years old, I've taken like maybe three financial classes in my life, which is a big part of these positions I'm applying for. Um, I'm still, I'm a nursing assistant at Johns Hopkins Baby Medical Center, Right, and I think I mentioned this already, but zero, zero experience. I would be a liability for anybody that hired me, right? At least for the first six months while they could train me and get me onboarded. And so I had a mentor at the time, John McNally, who brought me into his office and he was like, Justin, I believe in you. He was like, I think you can do some of these senior level jobs. And he's like, I don't think that you need to work your way up, but people aren't gonna give you the time of day most likely for the interview. So what I want you to do is bring your laptop, come into my office on Monday morning, we're gonna put your resume together, your cover letters together, and I'm gonna help you apply to five positions that I've already picked out that I think are gonna be a great fit for that are senior level positions at Hopkins. As soon as we apply, I'll send the hiring manager an email straight from my Hopkins email, because he was an employee at the time, to see if we can get you an interview. Which was an amazing opportunities. And so, met him there Monday morning, we sent out five applications, five emails, one of them answered. And it was the position that ended up hiring me. And his, his, Angle was like, we've seen this position has been open for a year or so. We know he's massively underqualified on paper, but just give him 30 minutes and see what you think. Right? And they gave him my 30 minutes and you know, like they say, the rest is history. I got the job, which was awesome. But I realized why well, I got the job shortly after. Right? I know they believed in me. I probably interviewed fairly decently um, and you know, had a master's degree. right? And so had had some things where like it made me desirable, but um, what I found out when I got there was they took two 
senior level management positions and they blended it into one, expecting one person to do it and only was paying for one of the positions. So I was only one crazy enough probably to take this position. That's at least what I tell people why I got picked. Um, and so, but I got brought in and it was an incredible opportunity. Um, I reported directly to Dr. Kerry Hertzke for one position who, as I mentioned, is now the vice president of Johns Hopkins Hospital, which is the best hospital in the entire world. And she runs it from a business standpoint now. My other boss was Dr. Lenny Feldman, who ran a world-class program that I was the coordinator for and he was the director for. And that's where I really learned how to, like how a world-class program runs, like what that looks like. Obviously Hopkins itself as the entity, but like this smaller program inside of Hopkins that he directed and I coordinated, I had nothing really to do with the world-classness of it. It was there before I even showed up. I thankfully just got to experience it, right? And so because of that, I got really good business experience, really good financial skills. And I started to, with the financial skills that I was learning, I built my own budget. I'm like, all right, well, I'm running these multi-million dollar budgets for the hospital, building them, managing them, probably should implement them in my own life, right? So I implemented my own life and started getting some really good results, was, was saving more money, right? Was living my life a little bit more, um, was willing to look at my money a little bit more, talk about it a little bit more. Um, and so it opened up a new opportunity and door for me. And just like my mentor paid back to me, like calling me in and giving me those interviews, I wanted to pay it back to other people. And so I started to help my friends for free. The only stipulation was I want you to stay committed to this, right? And so um, as I worked my way up the Hopkins system, um, I went from that, those two positions that I held in parallel simultaneously at the D. Johns Hopkins Hospital. And the next job I got, my mentor again was in a room at one of our smaller community hospitals inside of the bigger Hopkins system called Howard County General. And they were like, hey, we're hiring for a physician manager. Anybody know someone that would be a good fit? And my mentor who got me the first job just so happened to be in this second room. and be like, yeah, actually, I have a great fit. I had been in my past positions for about two years now. I was looking for a promotion. One thing led to another. They gave me a couple of interviews, and I became the physician manager um, of a smaller community hospital inside the Hopkins system called Howard County General. Um, and... I had a much larger financial responsibilities, um, was basically in charge of the finances for every big department, the medicine department, the cardiology department, the surgery department. Um, I've been out of healthcare for years now, so I'm blanking on the other departments. <laughs> but like all of the big departments had management over their finances and the director or head doctors of those departments who I collaborated with too as well. And so. Um, between that experience and then while I was there, I reported directly to the vice president of the hospital who is now the president of the entire hospital and he was for the past couple of months I was there. So I reported directly to the president of that hospital for two and a half years with a dotted line to the CFO. And so got a ton more experience, was making a lot of money too as well, but I'm like, damn, I'm making the same exact amount of money each month no matter how much work I put in. I'm capped at this amount of money. Right? And I'm like, do I really want that for the rest of my life? Right? And so that business ownership side of things started to, to really kick in. And that's where I met Tiffany Masters at the second job. And she worked with me at Howard County General. We did a lot of projects together. And we ended up having a private conversation one time about her finances and asked me for help with them and ended up being a great client. Right? And then she was the one who introduced me to Kelly. Right? There's a little bit of a backstory there. I got down a few rabbit holes going to happen on this podcast. Welcome to my life, my brain, and, and being a part of an audience that listens to me talk. Going to catch some rabbit holes here and there. 
right? But the idea was just kind of wanted to show you the origin story around JFF, like how it came about, a lot of luck, but also a lot of intention, right? A lot of uh, spontaneous moments, but also a lot of doing that just, I made shit happen, right, too as well. And so, um, you know, I think the, the moral of the story here is I started to solve a problem at a very high level and I'm now paid in direct proportion for that, right? World-class people understand the importance of saving and investing, but they realize that they're going to build a world-class wealth, like true wealth, off of providing an incredible solution to a major problem out there in the world, right? And so it got to a point where I was at Hopkins, and I was at Hopkins for six months while I had JFF. JFF started in August 2020, and I left Hopkins in December 2020. So August, September, October, November, December, five months. Right? And if you're watching the visual, you just saw me count on my fingers, you're welcome. Um, and so I was there for five months, right? So I was balancing both. And it got to be to a point where November came around, and I sat my wife down, and I'm like, I'm making more with JFF in one month than I make in three months at Hopkins. I'm also working half of the amount of time that I put into Hopkins, right? And so I'm like, there's an easier way to make this money, babe, a more enjoyable way to make this money, right? And this is how I'm gonna do it, through JFF, right? Where my passion intersected with my expertise and I was able to package it and offer it in a way that was lucrative to us, but extremely valuable and doable for the client, right? And so, I always say price is what you pay, value is what you get, and the value should always massively exceed our price. And I'm proud to say that's the, the case with us. Um, and so, point being is started to solve a problem. What changed? How did I leave a six-figure day job that I was on track to become one of the youngest vice presidents probably in Hopkins history and probably be a president of one of the hospitals inside of the system, if not the system itself? Right? Like that was my career trajectory. Sounds a little blatant and straightforward, maybe borderline arrogant or confident, but like it's true. It's exactly what was my reality. And that's what I stepped away from too as well. So I had a lot going for me in that trajectory from what I stepped away from. And even with that, I was like, this ain't worth it. What? Like work a 50 day or 50 hour week, barely see my family, live for a short two day weekend, get looked at sideways if I go on a week vacation each year where I'm not actually even fully checked out and wait till I'm 65 to retire. Not for me, not for me, even with what some people would call a dream career path and trajectory if I was to stay in the corporate world, right? And so JFF not only offered that opportunity for me as the business, but everything we teach inside of it. I'm a seven-figure business owner and live in financial freedom and have a business that is going to be around for forever that employs 11 people at this time, right? Has hundreds of clients, two amazing programs. Right. Yes, JFF obviously provided that opportunity for me to live that lifestyle. But what JFF teaches, right, is walked out and embodied every step of the way inside of JFF itself. Right. And so to know that we are a walking case study for what we offer, and I have several clients doing the same thing now, and hundreds on that career or on that trajectory to do that, with hopefully millions more to come, right, is something that is just so amazing for me to experience and feel through and even think about and talk about out loud as I'm looking back on you know the past three and a half years we've been in business and even those pivotal years before leading up to it and so 
This is by the way I need a moderator and a guest because I'm a little off track here. Right? But the goal here was just to give you guys that glimpse of like the origin story of JFF. We are the definition of building the plane as we fly. Right? But one thing is we're not, a, we're not afraid to fail. Right? We're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid to step forward and make mistakes and look stupid and be bad at things at first because those things are the expectation. Right? And when things become expectations, they're no longer problems. The expectation that you know, you're going to fail, you're going to suck at things at first, right? And so I think a big thing I want to tell people, like, though we're a seven-figure company with 11 employees and the outside looking in, we look like this beast of a company that does everything right. Well, maybe I'm making presumptions here, but right, I just don't want to be a mountain to other business owners, right? Though we have results that you may be looking for, right, we got, it, got them by doing what I just said before this. Not being scared to fail, building the plan as you know we fly, and so I see it as in life we literally have two options, right? We go after a fulfilling life that is fueled by a business and an occupation that we love doing, most likely working for ourselves, or we don't, right? And so the only thing I can guarantee you on going after a fulfilling life, the first option. Right, is the only thing guaranteed on that path is actually failures, <laughs> right? But why do we go after it? Because what's our other option? An option that we don't love, right? Um, that is also has get failures guaranteed, but also has another guarantee that I don't think people like, and that other guarantee is that you'll never live your dream life, right? And so I hope this origin story of JFF motivates people, especially the business owners listening to this, like. The possibilities that you want, not just out of your business, not just out of your relationships, not just out of your finances, but your life in totality, are possible for you. And they're a lot closer than you think. And I wouldn't be hard pressed to presume that most people could probably do it in 12 months. Like the only thing that you're missing is the belief system that you can do it. And if you have that, you're just missing the wrong mentors systems, strategies, and processes, right, to get you there. Right, we're here and happy to help, right? But aside from that, I hope that this just served. I hope it was helpful to hear the origin story. This is a big piece of my life, like I said in the beginning of this episode. It'd be really hard, right? I didn't know what word to pick right there, if you just noticed that. That's just like how hard it would be. It'd be really hard to create a podcast about my life right, and not have JFF brought up or even respected enough to give an episode or two um, here and there for. So, you know, this one serves as that backstory. Hope it was motivating, inspiring, probably eye-opening for a lot of people. A lot of people that know us well probably didn't know a lot of these facts. Definitely left a hundred of them out. But in the sake of being more concise <laughs> for these messages, not being here all day and, and trying my best to talk at a decent pace, inevitably some details got left out today. Maybe some topics for future podcasts. But I hope this inspired you. If it did, share it with a friend. I'd share this podcast with people. I promise you, you're not going to waste their time by having them come here um, and listen to this and keep showing up yourself. Right? I appreciate all the love that every single one of you are giving me. Like, this is a perfect example of like, I'm not good at this. <laughs> we can all be honest about this. We're all, you're not insulting me. I get it. But um, the potential to be good is there. But to reach that potential, I gotta be a little sloppy, I gotta be a little messy, I gotta suck at this podcast thing at first. And so I appreciate y'all being with me through this process um, and every step of the way. Love you guys. See you on the next episode.